0: You know, we're, we're in the season right now of spring cleaning. I know that because it was Chinese New Year yesterday, and a big part of their celebration is spring cleaning, preparing everything. We've got Iranian New Year coming up soon. They have a big spring clean as part of that. The Jews have a spring clean at this time of year. In fact, I think it's pretty much global. I think it's part of the human psyche that, that after the winter and the darkness and all of that stuff, we, we kind of clean everything out and we make everything presentable so that people can come in and, and we can, you know, welcome people into our homes. It's kind of part of the human psyche. To clean up, make it presentable so that it's acceptable to others. Let me ask you a question. How are you getting on with that? I'm not really asking about your house, that's, uh, that's your problem, we've got plenty of ours to deal with, but, but I'm not thinking so much about your house, I'm thinking more about your life, your heart. How's the spring cleaning going on inside us? Because whether we've thought about it this way or not, we're in a world where there's this constant pressure to be presentable and to be acceptable. Acceptable. There's this kind of pressure to to live according to the standards of society, to, to be the kind of people that other people want to be with. And maybe you're feeling that pressure. Maybe you're feeling tired of that pressure. Maybe you're feeling like no matter how hard you try, you can never measure up to certain people's standards. It could be uh, society in general, it could be your own family, it could be work or school or college, but it's so easy to feel this pressure and to feel like there's no way to shake it. There's no way to feel like you can measure up. And even if you can present what people want to see, even if you can achieve the impression of presentability, don't you feel when you're on your own that you know the reality that you might be able to fool others, but you can't fool yourself. And, and as much as you, 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 know, you get dressed, uh, or you shower first and get dressed and do all the things you do, there's some parts of you that no shower can reach. There's some parts of you that, that soap doesn't get to and it doesn't take care of the issue. And there's things deep inside all of us, regrets, shame, guilt... Hurt. Maybe things that other people have done to you that just have left you feeling dirty at the deepest level. Maybe things you've done to others. Things that you wish you'd give anything to go back and undo it and put it right, but there's no way to go back. And there's no way to put it right. And even after a full day of presentability and being accepted by people, if, if you achieve that, when you lie down at night, you know that you're not acceptable. You know that you're not good enough. You know that there's parts of you that you just need to keep hidden. Now, if you can't fool yourself, there's no way to fool God. If there is a God, if there is a God out there who knows everything, that means he knows everything that's going on inside of us. He knows all that we've done, all that we've said, all that we've thought, all the yucky stuff, all the gross stuff. He knows all of it. And if we can't fool ourselves, there's certainly no way that we can fool him. We're going to look at a little story in in the Gospel of Mark, and uh, so if you you do grab a Gospel of Mark on your way out, you won't go too far before you get to this one, because it's in the first chapter. And it's a story from 2,000 years ago about a time when Jesus encountered somebody who felt incredibly dirty and unacceptable. It comes at the end of Mark chapter 1, and I'm going to project it uh, up behind me as I'm I'm going, so you don't need to be kind of hunting around for a Bible. But it's a story uh, that's 2,000 years old, but but like the Bible, we, we love this at Trinity. Every week we come together, and we open the Bible, and we discover every week, time and again, that this speaks to us, that this communicates a reality to us that is so relevant and it's so up to date. It's sometimes easy to forget that it's 2,000 years ago that this happened. But but here we are in Mark chapter 1 and and the story begins in verse 40. Uh, I'll assume it's behind me but it says, a leper came to him. That's Jesus. A leper came to him imploring him and kneeling said to him, if you will you can make me clean. Now, leprosy is, is something that thankfully we don't have in our culture. It's not something that you know, you're probably worried about uh, too much next time you go to the GP. They're not going to say, that's leprosy if ever I saw it. it it's a, a disease that's been largely eradicated. But if you try to imagine what that was like for that man, leprosy is, in some ways, you could describe it as the total disease. The moment that you're diagnosed with leprosy in those days, you know that there are immediate um, physical issues that are going to come with it. You're going to lose feeling. Bits like skin's going to start falling off. It's kind of like frostbite without the cold part. And it's really nasty. And so your, your body is literally falling apart. And so physically, it was a terrible, terrible disease. But actually, that wasn't the worst part. As well as being a physical problem, it was a social problem. Socially, the moment you were diagnosed, all your relationships finished right there. You were cut off. You instantly had to leave everything. You had to leave family, leave your children. Imagine that. Leave friends, leave neighbors, leave work, and just get away because you were unclean. You were, you were dangerous. You could contaminate anyone. And so people with leprosy, Were outcasts. They were kept out of town, out of the way, away from everyone. And if they ever ventured near other humans, they had to cover their mouths and shout at the top of their lungs, unclean, unclean. And people would recoil from them in horror because they did not want to get the disease. And so it was physical, and it was social, and it was spiritual. I say spiritual, let me explain that. This guy that comes to Jesus was a Jew. I'll tell you how I know that in a minute. But he was a Jew. And for the Jews, their religious ritual meant going to the synagogue on Sabbath, going to the temple, doing sacrifices, participating in all the rituals. But you couldn't do that if you had leprosy. And so it's not that God was kind of shunning him. It was that the system made it impossible for him to get to God, if you like. He couldn't go to church. He couldn't gather with others. And so you see why I say that leprosy is like a total disease. It's it's physical, it's social, relational, it's spiritual, religious. Everything was affected by leprosy. And this man heard about Jesus and he came to him. Now, actually, what he's doing here is incredibly bold. He, Jesus wasn't kind of hanging out in the wilderness at this point. Jesus was in town. And so, for this man to come to Jesus meant coming past the people, entering into the town, coming right to the point where Jesus was, and then he fell on his knees and asked Jesus to heal him. If Jesus had said, What are you doing here? He was in deep trouble. It wouldn't take much for the crowd to, to explode in anger towards somebody who dared to break the rules and come and stand or kneel right in front of them. They, they wouldn't have touched him, but stones, sticks, I mean, he would have faced a horrible circumstance. And so he's placing himself completely at the mercy of Jesus. He's, he's asking Jesus to heal him. Now, how do I know he's a Jew? Because he doesn't say, if if he was Egyptian or Turkish or British or American, if he was kind of like most of us, non-Jews, he would come to Jesus and he would say, if you are willing, you can make me well. But he doesn't say that, does he? He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So it's Jewish background because for the Jews, they had this whole system of ritual, ceremonial uncleanness. He knew all of that. He, he knew that it wasn't just a disease that he was dealing with. It was a separation that he was feeling. And so he came to Jesus and he placed himself completely at the mercy of Jesus. And essentially, there's two questions, right? There's, there's two questions that are hanging in the air when this kind of situation unfolds in front of us. They are, does Jesus have the power to deal with the problem and secondly, does he have compassion for the person in order to want to deal with the problem? Right? Is he powerful enough? Does he care enough? But the leper only really asks one question. He knows that Jesus is powerful enough. He's maybe heard the stories, heard the rumors, heard the things that are happening. This wasn't unusual for Jesus to be healing people in, uh, in that time. And so he knows that the power is there. But the question is, does Jesus care if you're willing if you will you can make me clean i think for us we have both questions you know we we kind of sit from 2000 years away looking on and thinking okay does god exist and if he does does he have the power to do anything and does he care for this man the first question's taken care of but the second one's still there does jesus care The next two verses answer these questions. First of all, verse 41, it says, Jesus moved with pity, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Instant. Instant. It's just the power is is, is unquestionable. It just is there. The healing is instant. It's not kind of a partial, you know, rub this cream on your fingers kind of thing. It's like, you know, this is instant, total, complete healing. And that's what you find all the way through. When you read the stories of Jesus, you see the power that he had. But it's that other question. Not does he have the power to solve the problem, but does he have the compassion for the person? That's the bit that really jumps off the page at me. Because Jesus answers it. He says, I will. I am willing. Be clean. It's interesting when you think about it. You get the sense as you're reading it that he didn't, he could have just spoken. Just the words would have dealt with the problem. There's other places we read about these kind of miracles taking place. And Jesus says the word and somebody somewhere else gets healed. So, you know, if it's just the words that do the job, why does it... Tell us that Jesus moved with pity, stretched out his hand, and touched him. I think that's like a a double underline. It's like a a yellow highlighter pen. It's like bold font saying, You want to know how much Jesus cares? Check this out. I just imagine in my mind, as as that leper is approaching Jesus, all of Jesus' disciples kind of behind him going, Ooh, careful, careful, Jesus. It's a leper. Don't go near him, don't go near him. Maybe they dispatched a couple of you know, outrunners off to the side and they went around the back and they were like, don't touch. You know, held up a sign, don't touch in Aramaic or whatever. You know, they're doing everything they can and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, if he didn't need to do that, if he could have just said the word and healed him, which I believe he could have, why did he touch him? If the disease didn't need the touch... Maybe it's because that man's soul did. Maybe in that moment, we don't know his his story. We don't know how many weeks or months or years he had gone with no physical touch. Maybe it it had been years since he'd he'd last embraced his his wife and last held his children and, and he'd been living out of the community. Maybe it was years with no contact. That is so tough. If a baby is not held and touched. They don't thrive, they die. It's part of who we are as humans. We need connection. And here's this man who for a very long time maybe had not had any touch whatsoever. And he's asking Jesus, do you care? (coughs) Excuse me. He's asking Jesus, do you care? Do you have the compassion? And Jesus doesn't just say, yes, I do. He says, yes, I do. Maybe he touched his shoulder, but that man would have felt it in his heart. That there was touch, that this this Jesus was touching him even before healing him, that Jesus was touching him and reaching out to him and coming into his situation, into the very mess of his leprosy, and he was touching him to show him the heart of God towards him. It's powerful, isn't it? I think that's such a beautiful thing that. Jesus, who created everything, like Edith said earlier, he created me. And that's true. Jesus created everything. He could sit off at a distance and declare things and he could do things and kind of, you know, throw nice things into the world from a distance. But instead, here he is standing on the dust in front of this leper who's kneeling in front of him. He's come all the way to him and he goes all the way to touch. What well, that must have done to that man's heart. It almost makes the disease secondary compared to what Jesus did for him socially. What he did for him emotionally. Because God cares. Here we talk about all being transformed by the glorious love of the Trinity. And it's like every week we're scratching at the surface of what the Bible says to discover more and more and more how much God loves us. And as we discover that, it transforms us. And we're, we're, we're blown away by a God who doesn't have to, doesn't owe us anything, and yet he chooses to come to us. You know, if you keep going through the, the book of Mark, you keep reading, you read about other miracles and some teaching and different things that happen. But if you read it all the way through, it takes maybe, I don't know, an hour and a half. You get to the end and you discover that actually Jesus didn't just come to do kind of random acts of kindness, When Jesus came into this world, he came from heaven into this world on a mission, and it was a cleaning mission. He was on a mission to bring cleansing to human hearts. And how was he going to do that? He did it by going all the way to the cross. You've seen the cross, the pictures, the stained glass windows around people's necks. It's kind of a weird symbol, isn't it? Why would you have that symbol be the symbol for Christianity? Because it's the very heart of the message. That God's son came into this world not just to be kind to us, but in that ultimate demonstration and proof of his kindness. He went all the way to the cross and he died a horrific, humiliating death that he didn't deserve. The Bible says that he who knew no sin was made sin for us. So when Jesus was there on the cross with his arms outstretched, the, the wrath of, of eternity, of heaven, of his father against sin was poured out on him, the one that he loved so greatly so that it wouldn't have to be poured out on us. All the sins, all the shame, all the guilt, all the stuff that we've done, all the thoughts that we've had are worthy of death. But Jesus has died for us. He's died in our place. Notice how both Edith and Mariah said, why do you love Jesus? I love Jesus because he died for me. He died in my place. He loved me first. And the ultimate proof of that is not that Jesus reached out his hand and touched a leper, as great as that story is. It's that he reached out his hands and he died on the cross to prove God's love for us. And as he died on that cross and his blood was poured out, there was a cleansing work that was going on. All the yuck and all the guilt and all the shame and all the grossness in the parts of us that we can never reach, his blood can reach. It can cleanse. It can go over all of that so that instead of us having to pay the penalty for what we've done, the price is paid already. It's been taken care of. It's amazing, isn't it? To think that Jesus would leave heaven and come into this world and go up to somebody like that leper and touch him. And touch and care and speak to and honor and sit with and eat with and enjoy meals with and do all the things that he did. But ultimately, the amazing thing is that he went to the cross and he died a death he did not deserve to die. And when he went to the cross, he was effectively thinking of us. They deserve this let me take it for them. So Jesus, as you, I'm sure you, you're aware, Jesus died on the cross. He was buried on the third day. He walked out of that tomb, literally, physically, actually stood up, walked out because death couldn't hold on to him. And so what we've just seen in the swimming pool is a, a picture of that ultimate story. It's the picture of what God has done in Jesus. It's a picture for Mariah and Edith to say, I'm with Jesus. I'm identifying with him. When he died, I died. And because he rose and is alive, now I'm alive, truly alive, because he's living in me. That's what the picture is. It's a picture of identifying with what Jesus has done. Now, we haven't finished the story, so I love this last little bit here. So Jesus has touched this leper, and he's healed him. And he says to him, verse 43, it says, he sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So, so basically what Jesus is saying is, I didn't do this for like PR. I didn't do this to create a bit of a Twitter following. Okay, I did this for you. Now you go and show the priest and and let's get the word to the priests that that I'm here. So it's quite a a specific instruction. He's saying, look, you go to the priest, just keep it quiet, go to the priest and and let them know what's happened to you, preferably, probably the one that diagnosed you in the first place, because he'll be really surprised. You go to him and say, hey, it's me, what are you doing here? Uh, Check out my fingers, check out my toes. I mean, it would have been an amazing thing. It's a DVD to watch in heaven. So there's that, there's that, thing that jesus wants but look at the next verse i love this verse 45 but he went out and began to talk freely about it tut, tut, and to spread the news and and so it goes on what jesus had done for him was so overwhelming that he he couldn't actually follow through on what jesus said he had to tell everyone and that's what baptism is about I love the fact that there's a huge crowd here today. I love the fact that some of you have come great distances to be here because Mariah and Edith basically have been asking us for quite a while. Both of them have been asking for a good season of time. We want to get baptized. We want to get baptized. And both of their testimonies. Why do you want to get baptized? Because I want everyone to know. That's what baptism is. It's like the most vivid picture you can paint. I'm with Jesus. I'm his. I want you to know that he's done something radical in my life. And that's what this leper did. He went off and he told everyone that he could Jesus has made me well. Jesus has cleaned me. Jesus has dealt with my physical problem, more than that, with my social problem, even more than that, with my spiritual problem, because now I can go to worship God and I can meet with my family and I can speak to people, and people don't, I'm acceptable. I'm acceptable in a way that I've never been before. And that's the Christian message in a nutshell. That if you're tired of living that hard routine of putting on, you know, the, the happy face and pretending you've got it all together and trying to be acceptable to your neighbors and your colleagues and everybody else, when you get tired of that and you realize there's parts of me I can never fix, you can come to Jesus. And come to him and say, I need you to clean me at the very core of my being. I need you to to take away the guilt and the shame and the hurt and the pain and all the yuck and the gunk that's inside me. I need you to take that away. And I need you to cleanse me from the inside out. Does he have the power to do it? He does. He died on the cross, which was enough payment for all the sins. But the bigger question is, does he have the compassion? Again, go to the cross. Think, if he did that for me, can I really question whether he cares? If he did that for me, do I even need to ask, do you care? He's proved it. And even now, today, all across the world, people are discovering that he still cares. He's inviting people into relationship with him, and across the world, across the continents, thousands, millions of people are discovering that Jesus is not only powerful enough to deal with all of that stuff within, but he cares for me. And he cares for you. He's got enough power for the problem and he's got compassion for the person. And so I'd invite you, if you'd like to find out more, to say, hang on a second, does that mean me? But, but I've done this, but, but, but we've all got kind of but statements that we like to bring out, but, but ask the questions. Take a gospel of Mark, read it through, and as you're reading it through, say, God, if you're there and if you exist, would you let this stuff jump off the page at me and grab a hold of me? Talk to one of us, ask your questions, find out what you can, but please don't leave it. Don't say, it's all right, I'll keep doing it my way. Because you know already you can't do it. You know already you're not able to cleanse yourself from the inside out. You're not able to live up to your own standards, let alone anybody else's. Come to Jesus. Put yourself before him like that leper did, completely at his mercy, and discover that he has the power for your problem. And he has the compassion to grab a hold of you and embrace you and bring you into his family. That's what we've discovered here. That's what we come together to celebrate every week. And that's what we want to share with you and and offer to you as well.